0: The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at two on
1: 630 Chad. Hey it's uh
2: 307. No, it's not Wednesday. It's Tuesday. It's only Tuesday.
0: It is 307.
2: My my pal Grant Fedor joining me in studio for another edition of Fit After 40. Hey, Grant. Hey. Did you have a good long weekend?
0: I had a little bit too good of a long weekend. Oh, no,
2: really? Yeah.
0: Well, actually, I was recovering from my own little... uh, you know, last time I think I was dealing with something. This time I had the worst sinus infection uh, last full. week. And I've maybe called in sick four times <laughs> in 20 years. And <laughs> on Thursday, it was uh, very apparent that I should not be at work. And uh, so it led to an extra, extra long weekend. Okay. Yeah. well, In bed. Uh, yeah.
2: Um, And Run Wild went really well.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, thanks to everybody who uh, came out to support and ran in the race. It was, again, every year I get to see those kids cross the finish line. I I get to see everybody cross, and I'm excited to see everybody achieve their goals. But seeing some of those kids, I tell you they're going to be fit after 40 one day (laughs) and they'll be way more fit after 40 than we are are,
2: yeah. (laughs) yeah uh today's big topic oh my gosh the rotator cuff
0: yeah you know I thought about it and I went back looking and looking and looking and we've talked shoulders and we've talked about a different bunch of different things but we've never really delved in to the rotator cuff and it's probably the number one thing I get stopped on the corner and asked about it. so
2: let's start here. I'm going to move your mic just a little bit there so I can see your face. Okay. Um, number one, what is the rotator cuff?
0: I know, it's got a funny name, uh-huh. doesn't it? It's uh, It rotates the shoulder <laughs> and it forms a cuff around the shoulder. There's four muscle groups that make up the rotator cuff. And one's called supraspinatus, one's called infraspinatus, one's called teres minor and one's called su- subscapularis. And essentially, if you put your elbow at your side and you bring your your hand to your chest and then you move your hand as far away from your chest as you can, that is internal and external rotation. Those are the major movements of the rotator cuff now they do it in all the positions though so if you have your elbow out to your out away from your body and you do the same thing and you bring your arm up like you're to throw a ball and then you bring it down as if you're to put your hand behind your back or into that position those are the muscles that are making that action or creating that action. They also assist in other things like stabilizing or holding the shoulder blade in place while your arm is doing sp- uh, specific motions. So you can imagine how many things that that little group of muscles is responsible for.
2: Are they inside that joint? Or right. Are they like, are we talking like rear delts?
0: You got it. So they kind of actually, the they start, all of them start off of your shoulder blade. Oh, so okay. the if you actually put your hand right across the whole back of your shoulder blade, that biggest group, it, biggest biggest muscle there is called infraspinatus. And then if you kind of reach your hand over your shoulder and there's a little dip, little kind of fossa, it's called, in your scapula, or in your shoulder blade, that's where one called supraspinatus is. And it's probably the one that's most common as far as injuries go. And then there's one called teres minor, comes off of what's the lower border of the scapula, and one on the, on the exact opposite side of infraspinatus, underneath, uh, up against your torso between your shoulder blade and I guess would be your ribs Mm. uh, is subscapularis and it's responsible for internally rotating or that kind of that motion of actually throwing a ball that's that's internal rotation and and that's subscapularis so these muscles very important they're not they but they all kind of come in and attach in the same area all around the shoulder and that's they used to call it the cuff because they form what would be like almost putting your hand around your shoulder and cupping it so a lot of people call it rotator cup uh, but it's actually called the rotator cuff.
2: So there's a number of ways that people can end up having a problem with their rotator cuff. It can oh, be an yeah. injury, it can just be age. There's yep. there's all sorts of you, you can bet. just, I you
0: don't know, sleeping on it wrong it seems sometimes. Yeah, the thing about the shoulder is that it's very mobile. We've got a lot of mobility, but it, we sacrifice stability. So really, the, the only bony attachment of your shoulder to the rest of your body is where your collarbone attaches to your sternum right in your chest. It's the only thing holding your shoulder onto your body between where it's bone to bone. Really? You bet. The rest of it is held together by soft (laughs) tissue like our capsule uh, like the uh, ligaments uh, that actually form you know and that that doesn't even attach it to the rest of the body. That's just kind of keeping that shoulder inside of the inside the scapula. And then uh, the muscles that provide that dynamic stability for the shoulder. So without that you know Obviously, we've got a lot of problems, but most important, because it provides such stability to the shoulder, it's got a high, high use. It's used for almost, as I'm talking to yeah, you. Yeah, you're, you're using uh, it. Literally, yeah. if anybody's seen me talk, my hands are moving, my rotator cuff is working. And when you're just literally lifting your arm out to your side or any movement, it's stabilizing the shoulder blade, even with small movements. So very important muscle group, very prone to injury from everything from trauma, to uh, repetitive use, to (laughs) age, to rolling over in bed. Yes. You know, and I had a patient who ruptured their rotator cuff. All that she had told me she had done the night before was pull covers over. And she (sighs) rolled over, pulled the covers. She came into the clinic and couldn't lift her arm. And uh, it was quite apparent what she had done and she of course said no way i didn't do anything and i said well no you did you did for the last 40 plus years yes. so it it had added up to a, you know a, a perpetual strain and enough that that's what tipped it over the point
2: grand fedork leading edge physiotherapy of course uh, fit after 40 and i was reading today as i as i'm googling about rotator cuff it's yeah. like okay yeah age as you get older your risk of uh, cuff injuries increase rotator cuff tears are most common in people older yeah. than 40 years of age there's certain Sports, of course, baseball, yep. uh, tennis players, that sort of stuff. Swimming, you, yep. swimming, construction jobs. If you're, you're using like over your head a lot, the as number well. one culprit
0: with repetitive motion is yeah. overhead activity. Okay. Yeah, like like swimming and tennis. And even serving. some
2: family history.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they 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 have made that connection. Um, certainly, that would be you know would per- be pervasive throughout the body, not just the rotator cuff.
2: Okay. So when y- when you've injured it, so your your client that rolled over in yeah. bed that pain what What does that pain feel like? What is that pain to know that you need to come see something, do something, otherwise it all takes some aspirin and, you know, you put some heat on it or something? Yeah,
0: no, you know, the rotator cuff's really prone to a few things. Strains is one of them. So, you know, you don't have to, a lot of people have little tears. And the number one thing I get asked about is, well, I've got a tear in my rotator cuff. Do I need surgery? And the answer is most often no. You know, if in fact you've got full use function of that arm, you can lift it over your head and you can move it. Pain isn't the deciding factor necessarily. Necessarily, for saying somebody needs surgery when they've got a tear in, that, in one of those tendons. Because in fact, what can be going on is a dysfunction with how the shoulder's moving and that can be corrected through exercise and other things that we do at physio. So that's one important thing. Tendinosis and tendinitis are two very common issues that happen in the shoulder. Tendinitis, you've got an acute inflammation, little, little tears that are attaching, that are occurring in the tendon right where it attaches to the bone. And it's that local inflammation that causes most of the pain. Now, with inflammation from a rotator cuff, it can hurt where you don't think it would. Mm. In fact, we get a lot of patients that it hurts down. It hurts. My (laughs) goodness, I've been listening to my kids a little too much. But it hurts down into the elbow, and they're rubbing their elbow. And it's, you know, their shoulder's a little sore, but their elbow's really achy, and they come in thinking they've got a tennis elbow or something like that, when in fact it's actually referred pain from the shoulder itself. So inflammation is like a fire. You can stand back from it. It can spread. You can feel it in, dis- in distances away mm-hmm. from where the actual problem is. But a typical rotator cuff-type tendonitis or ache that's occurring with that is going to wake a person up at night. They're not going to be able to sleep they're going to every time they kind of roll over it's going to wake them up or even if they're just in a dead of sleep they just wake up with pain then we know that we've got a very acute active inflammatory process going on definitely want to be managed because number one when you don't sleep well you don't heal well mm-hmm. and family life's not great and everything else gets affected by it so the sooner you can deal with those the better the other thing is is where it hurts and typically with, uh, with supraspinatus let's talk about that one it's the most common one that one's going to hurt almost right as in the directly either in the side of the shoulder literally if you were to where somebody would punch you in the in the arm and right where somebody would think oh i hurt my deltoid and and it's lots of times it's not the deltoid it's actually supraspinatus and that's one of the common places and the other places right at the very front right at the point of the shoulder those are the two most common places that it's going to hurt and if you're getting that type of pain especially with lifting your arm directly to the side um, then that's probably the culprit, time to come in and get it looked at uh, and get it dealt with.
2: Um, let's uh, take a break here. Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy joining me for another edition of Fit After 40. We're talking about rotator cuff injuries today. Uh, we'll take a break here. We will come back. Complications of not having it looked after. You and bet. then let's talk about a frozen shoulder, anybody? Oh, yeah. You've heard that. You might have had to deal with it in your lifetime. So we'll talk about some of the complications of it not being dealt with and what Grant will do to help fix it right after this. It's Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy joining me in studio. Fit After 40. Talking rotator cuff injuries this afternoon. Um, Someone just texted in and said, you know, they have bursitis in their shoulder. Yeah. Um, and if you've had bursitis, you know how, how painful that is. But yeah. bursitis and rotator cuff injuries are completely different. Different
0: structures. Yeah. Different, two different kinds of problems, but can go hand in hand. Having one, you may have the other. They can, you can have them both at the same time. So just because you've got one and somebody says, oh, it's bursitis, doesn't mean you might not have tendonitis. There are very clear ways for us to figure out which is the culprit okay. without you needing an MRI or an ultrasound or all of these expensive diagnostic tests. We use our brains and some motions (laughs) and and palpation skills to figure it out and then we treat it accordingly now this is uh some of my medical friends might give me a hard time with this but i say if you think there's both you you deal with both and Uh local inflammation you're going to capture both when you're treating it anyways so you know it's no harm in uh in dealing with both problems and with bursitis it's an inert structure it's just that fluid filled sac that's sometimes getting that that basically takes up too much space and not only does the inflammation become a problem but it actually gets kind of squished when you're moving your arm in certain positions but those stand out when you're testing somebody for the problem they'll have pain in almost all directions of movement and various other things that we're looking for.
2: So the complications of not treating rotator cuff um, you know I, I've heard about frozen shoulder yeah, this is
0: something that can can be a real real problem. It's the number one uh, complication I mean any tendonitis in the body left too long and that's a local inflammation that those little tiny tears really weaken the structure you develop compensatory movements all other kinds of problems so you end up you start with one problem and by not dealing with it you end up having more than one right to neck problems Mm -hmm. i mean if you don't deal with the shoulder properly the neck becomes a problem so leaving it's not a good idea the the number one thing that you you brought up and it is the biggest concern is developing a frozen shoulder especially if you're trying to be fit after 40 because adhesive capsulitis or capsulitis is more common as we get a little bit older so the longer that inflammation's been there we start to develop I like to use the analogy of like a spreading fire that inflammation starts to catch on to other areas and once the capsule becomes inflamed the capsule is like uh, literally like a balloon that surrounds Mm. the joint and it needs to be very elastic it needs to be free in order for the arm to move through all kinds of movement As it becomes inflamed it kind of starts to become thickened and scarred up and you end up with the term what we call frozen shoulder it's given that name because it goes through a process of freezing being frozen and then thawing (laughs) now if you leave this be this is a problem that's not a six day week problem that typically we can solve a rotator cuff issue in this is now a six to 18 month problem. Wow. And when I say six months, I say that's great. And when I say 18 months, that's if you just leave it be and suffer and hope it goes away. You're going to be dealing with about six months of it freezing, meaning getting worse and losing, Uh losing more and more movement. Than spending about six months with it doing nothing not moving anywhere and you know hardly moving much beyond the barrier you've got and then the last six months of slowly improving so you can imagine a year and a half of a shoulder that isn't too pleasant and so I don't mean to scare people out there with this problem but it's a real problem it's a real common uh, side effect especially again if you're in the, in the ages of 45 plus, let's put it that way. So
2: treatment options when it comes to dealing with a uh, rotator cuff
0: injury, what are, you, what are you using on that? What are you doing? All comes down to timing. Okay. You know, the number one thing is to go to YouTube and uh, I think that's what everybody does. <laughs> and the exercises and so forth that are on YouTube are very are very effective. They're very good exercises. When done at the right time, under the circum right circumstances, by the you know the right person, not knowing what you got, and just assuming that this is the problem, and starting to follow the exercise advice of somebody on YouTube not the best idea. Doing it at the wrong time, um, particular patterns, certain movements can actually be quite aggravating and prolong the recovery. So so making sure that you get the right advice early on and knowing what stage you're in and where it's at is very important. And if exercise is the right way to go, certainly there's no harm in seeing somebody who says, yeah, that's absolutely what you should be doing and you go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. And those exercises can be carried out quite nicely on your own. And they are aimed at not just... I call it core for the shoulder. People often think that it's just a series of strength in these muscles, but it's not. It's again, it's not the most simple joint. Your shoulder or your humerus, that longer bone that dangles, that becomes, your, becomes the rest of your arm, it's acting on your shoulder blade. And your shoulder blade, if it's all over the place, then you don't have a good functioning uh, segment. You really need to get control of the shoulder blade. So like you need to with your back, and we talk about core, and more and more people understand how important it is to have this strong kind of connection between your abdominals Mm -hmm. and your glutes and all of that you need that in the shoulder as well to be effective and that's really important that being said it's all about having the tissue in the right state to heal And so, what do we do? We try to get that inflammation settled down. We have lots of different ways of doing that, as far as modalities go. We try to take the tension and the stress off of the tissue so that it can heal properly, and that's using other techniques like we've talked about on the show, Graston technique or myofascial release. Isn't it great? (laughs) I love Graston. I know there's just something about having a Mm. metal tool pushed into tissue that feels feels good. good. I know and everybody out there is listening we're going like, these what? You, are these serious <laughs> no, but you know does. what until you've had it yeah um, yeah it kind of does especially if it's on the right tissue yeah. at the right time so once we've got that functioning properly then we're going to start to introduce other and if it's not healing then we've got other techniques right down to radial shock wave mm. if in fact there's so much scar tissue that's built up in there or if it's calcific like what will happen when you've got a long-standing inflammation is your body starts to produce bone where it shouldn't be mm. and now you've got a calcific tendonitis and there radial shock wave can be very effective at reducing the pain inflammation and restoring that normal tissue to so that we can do the exercises
2: in the meantime so if people are you know thinking hey i think i have a a a rotator cuff injury and maybe it's going to be a couple of days before they get into see you or somebody is is it ice is it acute
0: ice all the time when it's brand new you just did it and you're thinking what the heck am i doing you're having trouble sleeping at night and it's just started Mm. ice is the way to go 20 minutes on every hour be really uh, be diligent with the ice early absolutely Advil or uh, you know uh, I I, I don't prescribe so I'm going to stay away from who the best best drug to, to take is but an anti-inflammatory is going to help in that circumstance. Once it's been around for a little while, if you've had it for more than a week or so, then go to heat and even okay. if you're still having trouble you know, at night sleeping, some heat before you go to bed is a good idea. It just helps to increase the circulation. Take that crap away. That's yeah. medical term for the inflammatory metabolites. We can prostaglandins and these. I'm not going to drop a bunch of big words today because uh, I'm still getting over a sinus <laughs> infection so they're not just jumping off my tongue like usual. But if you got it, don't leave it. Okay. You know, it's the same rule we've talked about over and over. If it's if you've got a problem like this and it's around more than a week or two and you're into that second week, it's not going away. Get, get some fixed. advice, get it fixed. These are really these do respond really nicely to the physio things that we do and we can, you know, spend a lot more time explaining what to watch out for. Watch out for overhead things, guys.
2: And then you can keep being fit after 40.
0: That's right.
2: Grant Fedork, Leading Edge Physiotherapy. You can ask the physio at leadingedgephysio.com. Grant, I'll see you next month.
0: Stay healthy.
1: Global News at 3.30. Good afternoon. I'm Eileen Bell. It's 17 degrees heading down to 8 tonight and up to 23 tomorrow. Firefighters are coming from other parts of the country to help with the blaze up near high prairie that are up near high level that has almost 5,000 people evacuated. Natural Resources Minister Amarjeet Sohi says federal assistance is on the ground helping with the evacuation effort. In this case, uh, my understanding is that residents are paying, uh, uh, you know, Serious attention. What the officials have to tell, and uh, they're uh, they're uh, listening to that information, and they're following the instructions uh, and the direction of uh, uh, first responders in uh, in leaving as quickly as possible. He says Ottawa is willing to help with more resources when the province asks for additional help. Professor of wildfire and fire at the U of A, Mike Flanagan, says May is Alberta's busiest month for fires. Spring is that time where the snow melts. And things haven't greened up yet, though we're just starting to green up in the valley here, but up in northern Alberta where the fires are, things haven't greened up yet. And that's the perfect window for fire, because you have dead grass, dead leaves. Climate change is playing a role, as Flanagan says, we'll see more fires affecting more communities in the future. The speech from the throne will open the new season of the Alberta Legislature tomorrow. Government House Leader Jason Nixon explains why Bill 1 will get rid of Alberta's current carbon tax. The
0: problem is this, that when the last government was in power. They brought in a tax that even they have emitted uh, did nothing on emissions. Our direction will be a different direction. We'll be focused on technology, working with universities and engineers, working with our largest emitters uh, to actually tackle the problem.
1: Nathan Cooper has been elected as Speaker of the Legislative Assembly. NDP and UCP members voted today between Cooper and NDP MLA Heather Sweet, who had served as a Deputy Speaker in the previous government. A new approach to battling slum lords, mainly in the inner city, is being looked at after a question from Councillor Scott McKean today. Global Scott Johnson reports the solution might fall in the business licenses issued by the city.
0: Councillor Scott McKean hears all the time from Neighbours of problem properties especially in the core. He says he's always asked why their business license isn't pulled and he says he's never gotten a good answer from city staff. He used urban planning committee to table a motion that explores that asking if it can't be used why
1: not. Yes, if a landlord has some problems and he fixes them up right away, good enough. You keep your business license. But if they're not, lose their business license. They can appeal it. He says inspectors return constantly to check on things with improvements not happening, so he wants to take it the next step. McKean
0: asked police commission about this last week and was told they did not have jurisdiction. Scott Johnson,
1: Global News. City councillors on the Urban Planning Committee accepted recommendations today in a report on repairing Three washed away trail locations in Mill Creek Ravine, but they didn't go a little further, and that bothers former city councilor Alan Bolstad, who now serves on the Ritchie Community League. He wonders why they didn't figure out how to fix the problem.
0: I mean, it talked about repairing the path in different spots, which is fine, but they're going to be up repairing that path every second year in different spots, given the amount of water that's roaring down there after each uh, rainstorm. So it seems to me somebody needs to be addressing what
1: the cause of the problem is here. Which which is all of the drainage water that's coming off the streets and sidewalks and people's roofs and and everywhere else in southeast Edmonton. Bolstad is showing off evidence of the extent of the problem where a couple of feet of erosion has washed away large sections of the ravine bed. A man convicted of killing a Calgary mother and her young daughter will not be eligible for parole for 50 years. A jury found Edward Downey guilty last year of first-degree murder in the 2016 deaths of 34-year-old Sarah Bailey and 5-year-old Talia marsman the convictions carry an automatic life sentence with no chance of parole for 25 years but the judge today decided to make the 25 year wait time for both consecutive 630 chad news time is 334 now from global 1 here's mark rogers We're seeing a delay to the southeast of the city along Highway 14, as you travel eastbound between Range Road 213 and 212, it'll be slow. It does free up after Range Road 212, though, on Highway 14 eastbound. We've seen that delay come and go throughout the afternoon, expect some delays along 50th Street southbound, it's slow from Roper Road to the White Mud. Going northbound on 75th Street, that's a single lane from Roper to McIntyre Road, that's pretty long-term LRT construction. Need a new vehicle for spring? Mitsubishi Motors is offering an additional $1,000 off select vehicles until May 31st only. Take a test drive today, MitsubishiMotors.ca. From the Global One Traffic Center, I'm Mark Rogers. 630, Chad, guaranteed weather.